And it's not me or the board. It's this church. It's this community. We do prayers to do. We, we, we follow God's calling in everything. We prayerfully consider the funds that we use, and we prayerfully um, ask and, and continue to ask as, as uh, followers to, to invest in us, to tithe in God's kingdom, and to continue in his glory here in Mosaic. Um, I, think, I think that's it as far as announcements. Oh, uh, and also, you can give to missions. Uh, you can d designate it to one of those families um, if you'd like. But if you just designate to missions, um, you know, our missionaries do great work across the seas. And you may not be called to that specifically, um, but uh, giving a little bit is, is a way that you may be able to contribute to uh, their mission of God overseas. So, I think that's it. Do we know who's doing? Pastor Judy's coming back up. There we go. <laughs> Just swap these, this mic back and forth. All right, our scripture this morning is from Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 8. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough Wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. morning. It is good to see each one of you this morning on this Sunday morning. I uh, was talking with someone this week and uh, told them we were going to be in Katyville this morning. And uh, I said I was kind of wrestling um, with which message to preach. Um, when I was serving as chaplain, I uh, had people from an addiction treatment center coming in and psychiatric patients. And one Sunday in February, I preached 
uh, on Super Bowl Sunday on God's game plan. And I preached from Isaiah 53. It was God's plan to let his son be bruised and wounded. <laughs> A lot of people get bruised and wounded playing football. That's my, why my dad wouldn't let us boys play. My oldest brother got hurt playing football and uh, tackled really hard and broke his leg on the varsity. Uh, he had his leg broken on the varsity team. So I never played football. And my knees uh, and joints are probably thankful for that, <laughs> even though I, I need help with my knees. I read a devotional this week that I'm going to share with you at the end of uh, this message this morning because it so spoke to me. And there was a great story in it, true story, an illustration that I want to share with you. So this is a new message inspired by that devotional. I entitle it Unfathomable Sacrificial Love. Pastor Judy read the scripture today, verses 1 through 8, and whenever I read this story of God testing Abraham and calling him to go and sacrifice his only son he loved, it's hard to fathom it. It's hard for us as humans. Of course, we know God doesn't want us to kill people. God doesn't want us to sacrifice them. But this was in the Old Testament where the sacrificial system was in play. And God had brought Abraham a long way <laughs> and showed how real he was. And this was a special test. This Wednesday, February 14th, is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. Forty days, besides Sundays, uh, leading up to Easter. It is a period of repentance or penitence and uh, of giving up something. Some people fast certain days during Lent. Some people give up something like candy or soda or something like that. Um, the home I grew up in, we, my mom and dad lived for Christ every day and didn't, never gave up anything. Uh, they thought we should live godly every day, and if we did something wrong, we should repent of it right then so we don't have to practice a certain period. But some denominations practice it. But this Wednesday, February 14th, is also Valentine's Day. And uh, I thought of we give uh, little gifts to our sweetheart, uh, sometimes a little more expensive things. Maybe you heard about the young bride who one night she got a pearl necklace from her husband for Valentine's Day. This was a couple days before so she got up and came out and he was sitting there having his coffee and she said honey I had a dream that you got me a pearl necklace for Valentine's Day. What do you think that means? And he said you'll have to wait and see. So Valentine's Day came she came up and he wasn't in the room, but there was a gift for her, kind of elongated. <gasps> she opened it up, and it was a paperback book, What Your Dreams Mean.
recommending that to you. <laughs> Unfathomable, sacrificial love. Speaking of Valentine's Day, I remember Reverend Robert Brusso, who was a pastor in this district at one time, uh, assistant superintendent. He came to the church I was pastoring in Hubleton and spoke to us men, and he used his hand as an illustration of our five greatest responsibilities. Never forget this. He said, for men or for women, your first response, and he said, notice, these fingers are all fairly close together, but notice how far apart the fingers. He said, your greatest responsibility way before anything else is your relationship with God. Then, man, it's your wife. In a woman's case, it would be your husband. And then your children. And then your work. And then other things you like, like I like deer hunting. I'll never forget he, the way he emphasized that that this one has to come way ahead of any other. He said God has to be way in first place in our lives. It stuck with me all these years. Three thoughts this morning. First of all, Abraham's call to unfathomable sacrificial love. He said, as Pastor Judy read in verse 2, Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. We can't fathom that. But as it will help us when we remember the sacrificial system was in place, Abraham was a shepherd and he loved his lambs but he was taught to take the best lamb, a spotless lamb, and to sacrifice it. God called for his best, and when God called Abraham to give the, the son he loved, his only son Isaac, he knew it was God speaking to him. And of course, the Bible says God was testing him, and this was before the Ten Commandments, the sacrificial system was in place, but God upped the ante and said, Abraham, I want you to take your only son and take him to the land of Moriah. Do you know where Moriah was? It was the mountains around Jerusalem, that whole range of mountains around Jerusalem. God said, I'll show you one mountain where I want you to sacrifice. Take him there. And then we wonder at Abraham's quick obedience. Did you hear what it said in verse 3? So Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and split the wood and set out for the place God had told him about. Quick obedience, early in the morning. I like to get up early in the morning. My brother-in-law in Michigan uh, doesn't. When I would visit him and get up early in the morning, he said, Paul, God's not even awake at 6 o'clock in the morning. I said, oh, yes, he is, because I, I talked to him. But Abraham got up early in the morning and went right to splitting the wood. 
get every knee on it. We just stand in amazement at Abraham's quick obedience to God. But we can almost feel Abraham's broken but obedient heart. When verse 4 says, On the third day Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. There were a lot of mountains there around Jerusalem and the mountains of Moriah. But there was something about one mountain in particular that Abraham saw it from a distance. And when he saw it, he knew. And he turned to his servants and said, you stay here. Isaac and I will go. And so they went walking up the mountain and to go to the place that God had told them to. Wow. I believe Abraham's call to obedience, going up that mountain to give his only son, was a foreshadow of God's unfathomable sacrificial love. What does the scripture say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him might not perish but have everlasting life. Abraham didn't know how this would foreshadow the coming of Messiah, but God knew. And we see Abraham going up that mountain, this mountain to sacrifice his only son, and we remember God gave his only son on Mount Calvary. Another name for it in one of the other languages was Golgotha. You know what Calvary and Golgotha mean? Skull Hill. It was a unique shape, a unique mountain around Jerusalem. It looked like a skull. Skull Hill Mountain, some might call it. While they were climbing up the mountain, Isaac said, in our modern day language, Dad, we got the wood, we got the knife, we got the fire, but where's the lamb? Can you imagine how Abraham's heart was breaking? You and I can't fathom that as fathers, can we? But he, he knew what God had put on his heart, and he knew he had to put God first. And he speaks up and says, and I love this, God will provide a lamb. I believe without Abraham knowing it, God was foreshadowing that he would provide a lamb for his son. So you know the story. They get up to the mountain and 
build the altar. And then Abraham binds Isaac. And by the way, he wasn't a little boy at this time. If I read my Bible correctly, he was probably 21 or 22 years of age. Old enough to fight his father. But he watched his father walk with God. And he let his he let his father bind him and then lay him on the altar. And when Abraham reached for the knife, listen to what happens next. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Can you imagine how relieved Abraham's heart was at this point? And he named the place, listen to what he named the place, the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn this is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your offspring will possess the gates of their enemies and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring, because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to the young men and uh, got up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham settled in Beersheba. I believe, this is my personal belief from reading the scripture, that mountain Abraham saw in the distance was Calvary. He recognized it from a distance. There was something different, different shape, different form of that mountain. And when he is going up the mountain, he says, God will provide for me. Remember when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to the Jordan River. What did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I believe God doesn't miss a beat. And then when he, he has Isaac on the altar and the angel of the Lord calls and says, now I know you. Love God way ahead of anything else, Abraham. And Abraham saw the ram caught in the thicket. He gladly ran with a smile on his face, got that 
and he sacrificed the lamb, but what does he name the place? The Lord will provide. I believe at that very mountain, maybe at that very altar where God let Abraham spare his son many years later, God watched his son nailed to a cross and lifted up. And he sacrificed, as the worship team sang powerfully for us, he sacrificed his life on the cross for you and for me. God chose to sacrifice his only son as the perfect sacrifice for us, for you and for me. Romans 3, 22 and 25 in the New Living Translation just remind me so clearly why God gave his unfathomable, sacrificial love to us in Jesus Romans 3:22 God made uh, we are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And verse 25 For God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. We are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood sacrificing his life. I also think of 2 Corinthians 5.21 where it says God made him, Jesus, to be sin for us so we could be made the righteousness of God in him. And then I think of uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. You think You speak of God's unfathomable sacrificial love he did not even spare his own son but offered him up for us all how will he not also with him grant us everything we know it was hard for Abraham to take his son up that hill was it hard on God the father's heart more than we can imagine, huh? When he, when they nailed Jesus to the cross and lifted him up, and the people below, the priests and the others, laughed and ridiculed and said, "If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross, and we'll believe you." Boy, it must have took all the mercy in his heart not to them but he knew he had to complete the perfect sacrifice so I could be forgiven of my sin so you could be forgiven of yours I believe as we go into this season approaching the cross and approaching Easter Sunday it helps us as it starts, I never remembered it starting on Ash Wednesday and being Valentine's Day the same day. God 
gave his unfathomable, sacrificial life. What does that song say? On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. God gave his unfathomable sacrificial love for us. But there's one more thought that came to my mind. Our call to sacrificial love. What place does God want to come in our life? What place? First place, right? But not just first place. Way in first place. If you have your Bible, you may want to turn to Mark 12, 29. Mark 12, 29. Jesus said, this is the most important Jesus answered, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Remember those five fingers? Way in first place. I turn to another passage, if you will, with me. Matthew chapter 10 and verses 37 through 39. Matthew 10, verses 37 through 39. The person who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The person who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whosoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone finding his life will lose it, and anyone losing his life because of me will find it. Now, I love my wife. I love my sweetheart. This this Wednesday is Valentine's Day, but you know where she comes. She has to come way in second place. According to what I just read, God has to come way in first place. There's another scripture that words it even stronger, that makes it plainer. One more scripture. If you will turn to Luke 14, if you have a Bible there or on your phone, Luke 14, verses 26 and 27. I thought it was the King James language that only worded it this day, uh, this way, but my Holman Christian Standard Bible words it almost the same. 
Luke 14, beginning at verse 26. Oh, let me read 25. Now the crowds were traveling with him, with Jesus, so he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jesus wasn't telling us to hate our father or mother or wife or our sons or daughters. What was he telling us? Compared to how we love him, everything else is way of the God calls us to display our sacrificial love by loving him way in first place. My dad always gave my mom a Valentine's Day card, and when my father died, she took them all out of her drawer up in their bedroom and showed us but I knew. As much as my dad loved my mom, I knew he loved God in first place. And as much as my mom loved my dad, I knew my dad was in second place in her life. Because my mom rarely stood up to give a testimony in church. My mom was a quieter person, and you know those people who are always standing up, you know, and you kind of go, oh, oh, stand up. But when my mom stood up, everyone was, and my mom, every once in a while when she would stand up to testify, she would say, I love him, Jesus, supremely. And sometimes when she was praying in family worship, she would pray for us kids and she would say, help them to love you supremely. That's what God calls us to do. To love him supremely. I said I would share this devotional with you at the close of the message and I want to do it with from the Our Daily Bread uh, earlier this week on Tuesday. And it was entitled, Surrendering to God. And it was from this scripture when God called Abraham to go and sacrifice his son. And as I read it, this message began to form. But this story struck me. Born on a farm, I was born on a farm, so. Born on a farm, Judson Van Deventer learned to paint, studied art, and became an art teacher. God, however, had a different plan for him. Friends valued his work in church and urged him to go into evangelism. Judson felt God calling him too, but it was hard for him to give up his love for teaching, for teaching art. He wrestled with God, but at last he wrote, 
the pivotal hour of my life came, and I surrendered all. No, we can't imagine how Abraham felt climbing up that mountain in Moriah. We can't imagine how God's heart felt when his own son was being nailed to that cross. But we know Abraham did it because of his love for God, and we know God let his son be sacrificed so we could be forgiven, for we could know the power of God's love in our life. Now, if God comes away in first place, might God sometimes ask us like he asked Abraham to surrender to him and let him have his way in our life? It might be a certain job, it might be a certain hobby, it might be something in our lives. For Judson, it was to give up his love of art and teaching art. We say we love God, but are we willing to sacrifice our, what's dearest to us? Judson did surrender to God and he went into evangelism and he later penned a beloved hymn, I Surrender All. In time, God called Judson back into teaching. One of his students was a young man named Billy Graham. Aren't you glad God knows his business? He loves us. He lets us enjoy some things we do, but his timing is just perfect. What's God's calling for you and me? To love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind way in first place in our lives. And when we do, we know we'll have the peace of God in our lives. The worship team's going to come and lead us in our final worship song. And as they come, I was just reminded, what's the decision we need to resolve or re-resolve in our heart. Obey the call to surrender everything to God and love Him supremely.